Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. All right, welcome back. We are going to talk about the four-act structure today. I will also touch on the three-act structure. So why am I teaching you this before the nine plot points? Well, the nine plot points are slightly more specific, and they can kind of be categorized into each of these three or four acts. So again, we're kind of using the snowflake system. Um, I'm going to emphasize the four-act structure rather than the three. It doesn't really matter which one you use. If you prefer the three, you can still use that but it's just more logical to me to use four. Let me show you why. So this has both listed on it, as you can see. The bottom set of dashes is the three act, and the top one is four act. So when you talk about the three act structure, the second act is always long. It's always the length of the first and third act combined. Or you can just divide it into four acts and they're all roughly the same length. <laughs> and even when people talk about the three act structure, they often talk, to, talk about 2A and 2B or the first part of the second act and the second part of the second act. So again, it's just more logical to me to talk about the four act structure. But with some exceptions, pretty much the same thing. You're just calling the second act either one act or two separate acts. All right, so let's talk about act one. Act one is what you would call the setup. It's the first 20 to 25% of your book, the first quarter. Your mission here is to introduce the hero and show us what's going on in his or her life before the conflict arises. So this is your world before. Everything about who they are before they receive their call to adventure. You want to make sure to foreshadow the hero's journey and the adventure to come. And you wanna make sure to set up what the hero has to lose. So their family, their fortune, their home, their lifestyle, physical life, money, household, reputation. Basically, these are gonna be your death stakes because these are the things that your character stands to lose. So if you think about Frodo, let's use Frodo as an example. In the very beginning, we see his life in the Shire. We see that he loves the Shire. It's a very peaceful place. He has a home there, he has a family, he has friends. And all of that is stuff that he stands to lose in the long run if Sauron takes over Middle-earth, right? Um, in terms of the antagonist or villain, you want to foreshadow them in this first act, but not actually introduce them yet. So they can show up partially or only as a shadow of what's to come, but don't explain what it actually means. Um, and the hero shouldn't try to, to truly understand it yet. So let's unpack that a little bit. The way that they did this, again, I'll just use Frodo in The Fellowship of the Ring, is that Frodo learned about Sauron. Gandalf told him about it. He told him about the ring. 
Okay, so it's an introduction of him, but it's not like Sauron showed up in the first act of, at the Shire, right? That didn't happen. And Frodo understands it in the sense that he logically understands it, but he doesn't really understand it on a visceral level only because he's never experienced it before, right? He hasn't come face to face with this sort of thing. You could say the same thing of Luke in A New Hope, even though he hates the empire on principle, overall because he's not faced with it and it's not something he has to deal with every day it's just not a big deal he's got other things in his life that he's more concerned with so that's what we mean when we say the hero doesn't really understand it yet not that they're dumb and don't get it but they just haven't really had to face it in a big way um, you can have an early inciting incident or partial villain but nothing that excite that incites the character to action so i have talked about this before I make a distinction always between the intro of the conflict and um, the call to adventure. And the difference there is action, because there's usually an earlier time in this first act when the hero gets some sort of new information. You know, often it's learning about the villain, um, but it doesn't actually incite them to action just yet. It's just something that they're learning, something that's new. When they're actually taking action, that's different. So. I kind of shy away from calling this the inciting incident because that sounds more like action and what we're talking about here specifically they do not take action on they're just learning something new. In terms of character development the character is kind of like an orphan here this is a reference that comes from story engineering by Larry Brooks he doesn't mean that the hero is literally an orphan but in terms of the adventure and the direction of the story he's just kind of wandering around with you know he hasn't really gotten into it yet so it's not like he has somebody over his shoulder kicking him into the adventure he's he's kind of an orphan um so i hope this doesn't confuse you too much i kind of mean this last thing that you're seeing here as a way for you to come back and compare the four act structure to the nine plot points so we haven't gone over the nine plot points yet we're going to do that in the next video but as a lot of you have come through my podcast, a lot of you will be familiar with them. Um, but if, it, if you don't know what these are at all, don't worry about it. Once you've gone through the nine plot points, you're going to probably end up coming back and going through these trainings several times. And I just put this here so that you can kind of line up how the nine plot points and the four act structure match up. So the first act would include the world before, the intro of conflict, and it will end with the call to adventure. All right. So I said that their intro of conflict, right, what they learn or how the villain is foreshadowed is not the true inciting incident. That actually happens right at the end of act one. Once the character decides to take action and dive into their adventure, that is actually the point at which act one turns over to act two. So at the end of act one, the journey is launched, the hero or heroine leave the world that they've known. There should be something or scary or challenging for them, something they need to accomplish or achieve and something about it should help them to understand the, sc the scope and grandeur of the antagonistic force. How what the antagonist wants is at odds with what the hero wants. So once again, let's do some examples. Um, Frodo actually leaving the Shire, that's the inciting incident. So him finding out about Sauron from Gandalf and the history of the ring, that's just new information, but it doesn't change his life. He just goes back to his old life after that. But when Gandalf returns, and asks him to actually take the ring out of the Shire, that's, the big, that's where Act 1 turns over to Act 2, because that's where Frodo's adventure is launched. And what happens right when that is launched? He is chased by Black Riders, 
soon after that, you have Weathertop, you have all this stuff, but it's not until he's running, kind of screaming and terrified from these Black Riders, that he really understands the scope and grandeur of the evil that he is dealing with. Okay, so that's what we mean. Something should happen that really brings that home in a visceral way. With Luke, it's the fact that his guardians are killed, you know, where the Empire was just kind of a, a far worry on the horizon for him. They showed up and murdered the people that had raised him, and that's a whole different game. So here's, uh, again, the representation of the three or four act structure. I put it in here just to point out where act one turns over to act two, this one little bar here. That's where um, the call to adventure comes. Hi there, we'll get back to the episode in just a second, but really quickly, I wanted to tell you that I have a free PDF that I created for you entitled 10 Plot Thickening Events That Every Fiction Bestseller Includes. These are events that you need to be familiar with because they have to do with the human template and how all human beings absorb story. And I have laid them out in a free PDF for you. So if you would like to download that absolutely free, you can do so at bit.ly forward slash 10 plot. Make sure and capitalize the P. I've had people tell me that it's not working and they're getting a page not found. It's because you got to capitalize that P on 10 plot. Okay. So that is once again, bit.ly forward slash 10 plot. And I will link it up in the description below. So then we move into act two, the response. This encompasses the 25% to the 50% mark of your book or the second quarter. Here your mission is to show the hero being acted upon, but he or she should be floundering, flailing, unsure what to do. The hero reacts to things acting upon him. He runs, hides, observes, analyzes, recalculates, plans, recruits, and this is where you can put in some try-fail tri cycles. So the thing here is that even though the, the hero did take action and decide to leave on the adventure, He's not being particularly proactive and he's not like got a plan of how to accomplish his OODs, right? So if you think of Frodo, I mean, think about it. He, he wasn't actually leaving to take the ring to Mordor. That's not why he left. So he doesn't have a clear mission in mind, but he's also being chased. He's being pursued. He's running, he's jumping, he's hiding, he's reacting. He's pretty much terrified the whole time. Now, your character doesn't need to be terrified depending on the situation, but things are acting upon them and they're just kind of in a way, trying to keep their head above water, okay? They're gonna be trying things and failing at them. For example, um, Frodo tries to fight the Black Riders at Weathertop. Yeah, he pretty much fails at that. And he tries to meet up with Gandalf and that doesn't work out. That's kind of the kind of thing that you're gonna be seeing in the second act. The hero is now a wanderer. That's another term from Larry Brooks, right? I actually love the word wander. It's one of my favorite words having to do with fiction. It's just, um, it's a trope and it's just got a lot of romanticism and adventure packed into it. But if you think about a wanderer, um, they may be someone who is a journeyer or a traveler, but they don't have a lot of direction. They're just wandering about, often going whichever way the wind blows. And that's kind of the idea for the vibe that your character should have in the second they're, they're going to be making missteps. They can learn from their mistakes, but overall they should be fearful and hesitant and very uncertain. Um, you need to include at least one escalation and this act will end with the midpoint. So I'm sure you know what an escalation is by now. It's pretty much anything that causes drama for the character. Okay, so um, meeting enemies, losses, being confused, being injured, everything I mentioned um, for Frodo, all of those are escalations. And this is going to end with the midpoint, which is what I call the turning point 
in the nine plot points. Um, the hero or heroine goes from reaction to action at the midpoint. They get new information or awareness that pushes them to act. So here we go again. Let's look at this. This is the beginning where you introduce them and they get new information about the villain or whatever the conflict's going to be. When they actually embark upon their journey, that's here, the call to adventure. Here they're going to be acted upon, like I said, uncertain, running, um, wandering, as it were. When you hit the midpoint right here in the second, that's when the second act turns over to the third act, if you're using the four-act structure. And this is where they go from reaction to action. So if we go back to Frodo, this is where he decides to take the ring to Mordor. Okay, notice how it says they get new information or awareness. That would be the Council of Elrond. And if you actually look at the first film, the Council of Elrond happens almost dead center of that film. Okay, so it's perfectly placed for being the midpoint. And at that point, Frodo is not just letting things act upon him anymore. He actually volunteers to take the ring. So now he has a clear mission that he's going to be very proactive about. Um, with Luke, same kind of thing. The midpoint there, the first time he really takes uh, the initiative to do something is after he and Han, everybody, um, are aboard Darth Vader's ship. And they're, you know, Han and Luke are dressed up as stormtroopers. And Luke decides that he wants to go rescue Princess Leia. Because up until then, he'd just been letting things act upon him and doing whatever Obi-Wan Kenobi said. But this is the first time he really takes the initiative and says, this is what we're doing. It's a mission. We're going to get her. Okay, so that's his midpoint there. So then we get the third act called The Charge. I'm sure you can understand why, because at this point, there's a lot of forward momentum. This is going to be the third quarter of your book. At this point, the hero begins trying to fix things. Again, all based on forward action. He or she is proactive, courageous, ingenious in the pursuit of his or her goal. All that said, make sure you're still showing it by degrees. Just because they decide to do something doesn't mean they're going to go from, you know, whatever it is, a, a klutz to an expert overnight, right? We still need to see those try-fail cycles, but they're actively pursuing their goals now and trying to learn and trying to get better and trying to solve problems. They're, they're attacking their obstacles, overcoming their inner demons, and starting to do things differently than they did before. Um, so you might almost call this there's a phrase you sometimes hear in mindset work that says, play to win, don't play not to lose. So you could almost think of act two as the character just playing not to lose. They're just trying to keep their head above water, just trying to make it to a point where they can catch their breath. But in the third act, they start playing to win. They're actively pursuing solutions and trying to get this thing done. Um, other things that could happen in Act 3, the hero or heroine leads, applies creative thinking, always moves forward. Of course, this is going to depend on what the specifics of your story are, how you apply these. Overall, despite their forward momentum, it's not quite enough. He needs something more, something better. He needs to change. Okay, so we've already written our transformations. In the third act, we do see the hero or heroine getting better, getting stronger, but they're still just a little bit below the level they need to be at before they can defeat or attain victory in the climax of the story. Um, this third act needs to contain at least one escalation and will end with the character transformation. This escalation, I would submit, needs to be bigger than the one in act two. So again, this can be anything that shows drama, but let's look an at an example. 
um, if we use Frodo, I talked about all these different things already that could have been escalations in Act Two. It was being chased by the Black Riders, Buckleberry Ferry, uh, Weathertop, the fact that Gandalf didn't show up, even meeting Aragorn, that's a good thing, but it still is something that was new to him that's kind of changing the way things go. So all of those are escalations and some of them are big, but what's the major escalation in the third act? It's the Balrog and then Gandalf's death. And that is so much huger, um, more impactful. It's gonna have a, a much bigger impact on the group's morale. You know, it's just a much, much bigger escalation. So because you want to ratchet up tension as you head toward the climax, I would make sure that the escalation in act three is definitely bigger than the one in act two. So the end of Act 3 is the transformation. The hero or heroine receives the final thing or information they need to triumph over the antagonist in the climax. This is their transformation moment and should come right before the climax. Um, I'll talk about that in just a minute. No new information can enter the story after this point. The hero already has everything they need to gain victory. So make sure that they already have it here because if you bring in new information after this point, it's going to feel like deus ex machina or just way too convenient. Um, so it's usually also the beginning of the climax or battle scene, but alternately the climax may begin before the transformation or end of Act 3. So I said in the first point this is their um, transformation moment and should come before the climax, but I really probably should change the wording on that. Not that it should, but it often does. So if we look at the little um, visual here, this is Act 3. That's what we're in, where they are pushing forward, trying to learn, trying to come up with solutions. When they have their transformation, that's how you know right after that that we're in Act 4. But as I talked about during transformations, sometimes this comes right before the climax and sometimes it comes in the middle of it. So with Luke in A New Hope, his transformation happens right in the middle of the climax. So if I were laying it out, I would say the climax actually starts here just a little bit, like at the end of Act 3, that's when the uh, star battle happens. His, his transformation comes in the middle, and then the fourth act would be his victory, where he actually blows up the Death Star, and then the falling action. But there are plenty of things where um, the transformation happens right before the climax does. Um, and it, with that being the case, the climax would, you would probably have transformation here, and then the, the climax, the entire thing would be in, included in Act 4. So either way, this bar here between Act 3 and Act 4, um, as concerns the climax of the story, it's, it's a little bit fluid. It can move just a bit. So don't be too stressed out about that. Just know you don't have to adhere really rigidly to having the, the transformation before the climax as opposed to during the climax. Would you like to experience an exact step-by-step -step process for how to drill down to the story you're telling and build out from there? More than that, would you like to effortlessly create more super fans, garner better reviews, and sell way more books than ever before? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you are in luck. There is a specific technique that will allow you to drill down to the emotional core of your story and write it from the inside out. 90% of authors who are writing and publishing today are not doing this. But we're talking about up-leveling your storytelling technique and making you a master storyteller. This works for pantsers and plotters alike. It works for any genre, any trope, any type of story, any type of character. This is going to be a 12-week mastermind. So if you are ready to become a master storyteller and create a foundation for your fiction business in 2022, this is the mastermind for you. I'm taking applications right now and all the details are there. Bit.ly forward slash storyteller accelerator. And make sure and capitalize the S and the A because that will make a difference. I cannot wait for a select few of you to learn this technique because it will be a game changer for your fiction writing. 
All right, and then we have act four, the resolution, which is the last quarter of your story. The hero or heroine finds the courage to solve the problem, reaches the goal, and or overcomes the antagonistic force or villain. The hero must be the primary catalyst for the, solu for the solution, no deus ex machina. Nothing can fall out of the sky to save them. You have to have already laid the groundwork for the solution. And nice thing is when you're planning like this, even if you don't know what that is initially, you can go back and put it in, figure it out. Um, so you won't have to worry about getting there and not knowing how you're gonna solve the problem. You're gonna figure all that out before and then you can go back to earlier chapters and incorporate it. If your hero or heroine is going to die, as they often do in stories, you must make sure your transformation is complete before they die. That's how you close their character arc and you don't wanna leave loose ends flying around. The hero or heroine must become a martyr, either physically or metaphysically, right? So they don't have to die literally, but even if they don't, they should be willing to make that sacrifice. Sacrifice is the ultimate goal of the hero's journey. Even if they don't die physically, they must be willing to. The essence of the hero in act four is being a willing sacrifice. Very important. So here's another visual example of this. This one's more vertical. We have act one, the setup. It changes over to act two when you hit the call to adventure, which is the hero acting, right? And setting out. Then you have the response where they are being acted upon rather than being proactive. Um, it changes over to act three when you hit the midpoint and they go from reaction to action. The charge is them being very proactive and trying to solve the problem, purposely trying to accomplish their OODs. That's gonna end with the transformation that will turn us over into act four, where they will um, finally triumph over whatever the villain or whatever they were trying to triumph over and kind of reap the reward of that. Okay, so pretty straightforward. Um, I want you to go through each of these four acts and write out what will happen in your story and with your character to fulfill all the criteria for that act. So I've given you pages for this and just make sure you go through each point and make sure that you hit all of them. Also fill out the events at, of the end of each act to transition between them. Make sure you do not only what is within act one, act two, but what the um, call to adventure will be, what the midpoint will be, and what transformation will be, which you should have already most of that. Remember, you can do this for multiple characters if you have an ensemble cast, but do it for at least one of your main characters before moving on to the next training. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.